0: Thanks for listening to this week's Hope at Crossroads. We are glad you're taking the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can connect with us through our website, hopeatcrossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends and let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And now, here's this week's message. Good morning. God is good,
1: and all the time. That's right. Amen. Good to see everybody today. Oh my goodness! Uh, thank you, worship team. Thank you, choir, uh, for preparing our hearts uh, for the word today and. Uh, um, I did want to say before we uh, move into our um, to our message uh, that, as Pastor Jack has already shared uh, today, that um, that this evening uh, over at First Baptist uh, Simpsonville, we'll be having our. Uh, it's actually our third annual uh, one night worship event, uh, and uh, we have uh, over twenty churches. Uh, that'll be participating tonight uh, in a worship service. And uh, many of our churches uh, have been, student ministries have been, uh, this last month, have been kind of preparing our students uh, for this, this night. And really what, what One Night is about is, is, it's right in the name. It's about that one. It's about that one person that, that is close to them, but that's far from God. That they've been praying for, that they've been caring for, that they've been inviting to uh, come and join us uh, tonight. And uh, uh, our goal and our hope and our dream, uh, our prayers uh, that we've been praying over the last six months as we've gotten together as youth pastors is this, is that simply this, one thing. That those students that are far from God, that have been prayed for, that have been cared for, that have been invited tonight, will hear the gospel. And when they hear the gospel, the Holy Spirit will move in their hearts and that they would respond in faith to Jesus Christ. And so uh, so last year, uh, we saw 73 students uh, come to faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, uh, so if you guys would be praying for us, uh, we're actually going to open up the chapel uh, this afternoon, uh, we're leaving at 4 30. Uh, students, um, we're leaving at 4 30, but we're going to open up a chapel at 4 o'clock. And so, if any of you, I know some of the parents have already uh, expressed interest, uh, we're going to join together, uh, all those that, that are willing and want to, uh, just to continue to bathe this thing in prayer uh, before it starts tonight. So uh, you don't have to be a parent. You can be a church member uh, who just uh, loves students, who just love to see people uh, come to faith in Jesus Christ. We want to invite you to come and join us at 4 o'clock as, as we just pray and, and just plead and ask God, God, and will you just move in the hearts of the young people tonight? And so that uh, what we've seen over the last month or so, uh, that started at Asbury College and has trickled over into other college campuses uh, and even churches uh, in, in our nation that, uh, that revival would break out. But understanding this, uh, before revival can break out in the church, it's got to break out in our own hearts. So, uh, so if you will, uh, that's just an open invitation for you to come join us uh, as we pray. Um, tonight at 4 o'clock, and then before Disciple Life starts. So uh, if you've got your Bibles, turn to Jonah chapter 4. Jonah chapter 4 is where we're going to be at today. Over the last couple of months, uh, we've been walking through this book of Jonah. And for those of you that may have not been here, or maybe uh, you've missed a week or two uh, in this series, uh, just let me give you a little cliff notes, okay? Uh, the, book of Jonah, uh, it's, the book of Jonah is a prophet of, uh, who was, had a calling of God to deliver a message from God to a people of God who were far from God. It's about a prophet of God who had a message from God to deliver to a people who were far from God. And we can really get caught up in the fact that, because we talk about Jonah so much, and uh, as we've grown up in the, if you've grown up in the church at all, you, you've heard Jonah and the whale, or Jonah and the big fish, uh, it doesn't necessarily say it was a whale, but it was a big fish. And so, you know, we you like to make our own interpretation and say, well, a big fish, and oh, surely it wasn't a shark, but it was a whale, right? So, uh, so you know, that's kind of how it's fallen on over the years, but uh, how... You know, we've. if we're not careful, we will understand that the book of Jonah is about Jonah. And it's really not. The book of Jonah is about God. It's about an unconditional loving God who pursues a group of people and continues to even pursue the prophet that he sends to the people in his disobedience. It's about the will of God and how we will respond to it. So we're going to continue to see in the book of Jonah. We've seen how God continues to pursue Jonah in his disobedience to God's call. We've seen God appoint a big fish uh, to rescue Jonah from the storm in his disobedience. We've also seen that we serve a God of second chances as Pastor Jack shared last week. And we've seen what happens when people are willing to turn from their sin and believe in God. We've also learned that God's mercy and grace is for everyone who's willing to repent and put their trust in God. I don't know about you, but that kind of sounds like a happy ending to me, right? And all we finished up chapter 3 and we read uh, in chapter 3 how... The whole city, including the king and you know, all, uh, turned to God. And God relented from his, his plan to destroy the whole city when they repented of their sins. A happy ending, right? I mean, it's just this fairy tale ending, and everyone lived happily ever after, right? You would think. But not everyone was happy. The angels were rejoicing in heaven over those that had repented of their sin, but yet the prophet of God that God sent and all was not happy. Not everyone was happy as we see in chapter 4. So let's, I'm gonna pick back up verse 10 of chapter 3. When God, God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster. That he had said he would he would do to them, and he did not do it verse one, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became very angry, and he prayed to the Lord, O oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country?" This is, that is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you were gracious, God, and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. And he sat under it in the shade till he should, he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come over Jonah that it might be shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when the, day, when the dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun arose, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on his head and jo- of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for a plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you didn't labor, nor did you make grow, which came, in being, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, the great city, in which more, there are more than 120 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? There's several points in this story that we're going to unpack from chapter 4 of Jonah. And the first is this. The first thing that we see is Jonah's attitude toward God's decision to save the Ninevites. The people of Nineveh turned from their sin and believed God. And God relents from destroying the city. And Jonah was mad about it. Huh? Huh? What? God saves... over It says there's 120,000 people in Nineveh. And God saves all those who come to faith in Jesus Christ. That believe in God. And the prophet... That God sent to deliver the message was mad. I don't know about you, but... That's just strange. Why would, let's put it in our terms, why would a believer in Jesus Christ get mad at God for saving someone else who was headed to hell because they didn't have a relationship with Jesus? But that's exactly what we see here. Jonah was mad. He had an attitude. And his attitude wasn't good. You see, here's the fact that Jonah couldn't get past the hatred that he had in his heart for the Ninevites, for what they had done to Jonah's people. Now, the Ninevites were not good people. They weren't. They had a history of being very cruel to those that they conquered, they had a history of being cruel to the Israelites. And Jonah just couldn't get over that. So let me ask you a question today. Are there people in your life that you would feel the same way if God saved them? Are there people in your life? Are there people in your, at your work? Are there people in your school? Are there people in your community? Are there people in your church That you would be so upset if they came to faith in Jesus Christ. That you would be so upset that they went from death to life. Because they hurt you in the past. In a nutshell, that's, that's exactly where Jonah finds himself. Not only do we see Jonah's attitude toward God's decision, but in verses 2 and 3, we see Jonah's prayer to God. And he prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste to Tarshish. For I knew that you were gracious and mercy, merciful, slow to anger and abounding steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Now, therefore, Lord, please take my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. One thing about Jonah's prayer. You can't say that Jonah wasn't being honest. Jonah wasn't being... He he, he had no problem being sincere and authentic with uh, with how he felt toward God right now. In verses 2 and 3, he even attempts to justify his own disobedience when he ran from God's call the first time. He said, that's why I went to Tarshish. Because I knew... Your character. I knew who you are. And I knew that if I went and took this message to the Ninevites, and for whatever reason, for some reason, that they repented of their sins and turned to you, that you would be faithful and forgive them. How many times have you... Try to justify your actions of why you did something or why you thought something or why you said something in a prayer. How many times have we put it in the form of a prayer request? Jonah acknowledged God's grace and mercy for all people. He just didn't want God to show it to the people of Nineveh. Lord, help us if we ever have the attitude like that. That if we can't see past people's thoughts, people's sin, people's evilness, and not see God's grace and mercy. Jonah obviously had a case of spiritual amnesia for It wasn't too long ago that Jonah was thrown into the water and God appointed a fish to rescue him. You remember that prayer in Jonah chapter 2? I called out to the Lord out of my distress and He answered me out of the belly of Sheol. I cried and you heard my voice for you cast me into the deep and to the heart of seas and the flood surrounded me. All the waves and your billows passed me. Verse 7, when I was when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard and to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I will, I with the voice of thanksgiving, I with the voice of thanksgiving. It's kind of odd that he had the voice of thanksgiving in chapter 2. And here in chapter 4, he's got, he's got an attitude of anger. Oh, how... Quickly, the flesh can get a hold of us. If I'm being honest, I think all of us are like that. We have spiritual amnesia when God does things that we don't approve of, as if He needed our approval. As if somehow the role switched and all of a sudden he allowed us to play God and he was just going to be be human. All of us have been there, if we're being honest. I think that's why we relate to Jonah so well, because really Jonah's just like us. We praise God and we're thankful for him when things are going our way. But when God does things that aren't... Aren't the way that we would have him to do it, then we're like, hmm. I know who you are. I just wouldn't have done it that way. <laughs> or we say this God, do you know what all they did? Do you know, do you know their history? And God's thing, yeah. Not only do I know their history and their past, but I know yours as well. And I still sent my son to die for you. And I still showed you grace and mercy. And you wonder how many times God was shaking his head like, when are you going to get it? It's okay if I show you grace and mercy, but it's not okay if I show these people grace and mercy. Jonah's prayer to God was honest, but it was also selfish. And any time that we, we put our, our kingdom in front of God's kingdom, then our prayers become selfish. Any time we put, put our ways in front of God's ways, then our life and our attitude and our actions become selfish. The third thing we see in verse 5 not only do we see Jonah's prayer to God, but also we see Jonah's pity party. So what does what God do? He says, do you do well to, do, to be angry? Jonah's been in the city preaching the message that God had sent to him. He sees all these people turn to God. And yet, instead of being there celebrating with him, he goes outside the city and he just kind of sits there and he pouts like that little kid as they come to the register at the grocery store. You know, you've seen them. Young people, you know, you were them. Not too long ago, you know, where all that candy and gum is right there, you know, right before you check out. And your favorite candy bar is right there. And You're just like, oh, and you go to grab it. And your mom smacks your hand. Or she says, no. And you're like, I want it. I want it. She said like, no. Or your dad says, no. Like, I want it. And then you just lay on the floor and you just pout and whine and cry and all. And just, you think that you're making things better and that that's going to solve the problem and, Mom or dad's going to say, and okay, just get up, get up, and I'll get you that candy bar. And sometimes, in weak moments, they do. And in other moments, what you're doing is you're just making the punishment that you're going to receive when you get home or get in that car so much worse. I was never like that, but I mean, I know y'all were. <laughs> I mean, I've seen it. I mean, I've seen husbands act like that when their wife won't give them something at the grocery store. I know because I am that husband. You know, we go. On, Lacey never lets me go to the grocery store with her. Very rarely. Why? Because because we got that buggy and she's got a list and and I'm just passing things and, and I'm just you know and then. And we get to the register and she starts putting things out and, you know, and I'm helping her because, you know, I'm grabbing the things that I got and I'm just kind of putting it up under stuff and, you know, and it gets there and, and, and it starts getting checked out. And, and she's like, who, who, I didn't this isn't on the list. Who got this? And, and she's looking around and I'm like, Claire did it. Isn't that what we do? I mean, e, e- even as me. And, and, uh, the kids did it. They put it in there. Why did you do that? And then if, if you you're like our girls, I don't if your kids are like ours, I got one over here. I didn't do it. And then one that feels pity for me, she's like, Yeah, I did it. it and oh, uh, I did it. <laughs> Olivia's usually telling on me, Claire's kind of, you know. Because she knows that I'll share it with her later on. (laughs) But he left the city to go down, sit down, and enjoy a little pity party. He's over there pouting. And deep down, in the back of his mind... In the depths of his heart, Jonah is still hoping that the Ninevites would change their mind and that God would bring judgment still on that city. He's throwing a pity party. Heaven help us when we throw pity parties when people are getting saved just because they've hurt us or what they did to us 20 years ago. No, our reaction should be like the angels. It says, when a sinner repents, the angels rejoice. Amen? Verse 4, we, we keep moving on. Excuse me, verse 6. Not only we see Jonah's pity party, but in verse 6 we see God's provision of Jonah. Even in spite of Jonah's attitude, his anger, his, his pouting, God still... Chooses to provide for him. He's sitting out there. It's hot. What does God do? God throws up a little shade for him. Make, it a little, make his pity party just a little bit better. And verse 6 says this. Now the Lord God appointed a plant. I love that. He appointed the fish... And he appointed the plant to. Which reminds me of this that when God speaks, things happen. He spoke everything that we see into existence with his voice. He says, So he appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might shade over his head to save him from his discomfort but Jonah was exceedingly so Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant Jonah's attitude changed pretty quickly didn't it It changed quickly when God provided shade for us, for him in the heat it, His attitude changed pretty quickly when God was taking care of him Although that happiness was short-lived because the same way that God provided for Jonah, overnight God also provided a worm to come and eat at that shade. I don't know about you, but uh, when we were, our girls were younger, there was this, this little book that we used to read to them all the time that they love called The Hungry Caterpillar. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He got that hungry caterpillar and he eats through that leaf and then he eats through the fruit. And you know, next thing, the hungry caterpillar, he's so full, and then he becomes, at the end, he becomes a beautiful butterfly. Jonah was happy for a moment, even if his happiness was short-lived. You see, even in the midst of Jonah's continued disobedience, God was still working on Jonah. God was still pursuing Jonah. Aren't you glad that God continues to pursue us when we don't deserve it? Even after we come to faith in Jesus Christ and in our disobedience, in our unfaithfulness over time, God still continues to pursue us. Why? Because He's a loving God. And I'm here to tell you today and you know, all that if you've lived a life, of disobedience, and you're continuing to live a life of disobedience right now, and you don't want to have anything about pursuing God. Can I tell you it doesn't stop God from pursuing you? Because in His love, just as God was continuing to pursue Jonah in his disobedience, God pursues us. I'm for one, thankful for that pursuit. That never, never ends. God provides for Jonah. And then the last thing we see here is in verses 9 through 10. Jonah just doesn't get it. He's hard-headed. He's stubborn. He's obstinate. And just like our parents when we were younger, growing up, when when we continue to be stubborn, when we continue to be obstinate, when we continue to think that it was smart to to fuss and just kind of continue that conversation of talking back to mom and dad, at some point, they stop that conversation dead in the tracks, right? And what ensues is some discipline in verses 9 through 11, we see God's rebuke of Jonah. God's rebuke of Jonah. Verse 9, but God said to Jonah, do you do do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry. Angry enough to die. Angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you didn't labor or did not make it grow, which came into being in the night and perished in the night. Should I not pity Nineveh, a great city? A people of more than 120,000 people who don't know their right from their left. In other words, don't know right from wrong. Like a kid. But in verse 9, I love it. He says this. Do you do well to be angry for the plant? He's asking him a question. And Jonah's response is, yes, I do well to be. It's my right to be angry. Not, I, not only am I just I'm uh, angry, but I'm angry to the point that I'd rather die than to live. That's what the ESV says. Now, I know there's a lot of Gen Zers out here. This is what Jonah 4 9 would say to you. Jonah 4 9 says, Then God was all like, Is this the move for you to be all pressed about a plant? And Jonah said, Ye low key, being pressed is the move. I'm pressed enough to be high key deceased. Now, some of you are like, I don't understand that. <laughs> There's some of it I don't understand either. But it's pretty funny. If you want to look a few more of those, if you will go to Instagram and go to the GZT. It's called the Generation Z translation uh, that this uh, youth pastor has created on Instagram. And you'll see all kinds of... Uh, he gives a translation of what the Bible says in the ESV, and then he gives a Gen Z translation. Because they don't like to say die. Gen Zers, uh, they don't like to say the word die now. They say unalive. Or they say, you know, high-key deceased. There's, there's some other funny ones out there that I'd love to share with you, but we just don't have time. Jonah couldn't get over himself to be able to rejoice in the fact that a whole city of people have turned to God. And it goes back to the root of his heart. He still hadn't dealt with the anger and the hatred that he had for the people. And God provided a plant. Jonah was happy. God took the plant away. Jonah was angry again. Angry enough to die. So, as any conversation between a parent and a child, God starts to unload a dose of reality on Jonah. In other words, in my generation's translation, he's getting ready to take Jonah to the woodshed, the spiritual woodshed. There are times that we are so obstinate and so stubborn that God needs to discipline us. In Hebrews, God's word says, those whom God loves, he disciplines. Spurgeon put it like this, God will not allow us to sin and continue to sin faithfully. Not because he doesn't want us to live, but because he loves us so much. He doesn't, he doesn't want us to hurt ourselves. He doesn't want us to be in situations or put ourselves in situations that we're going to regret later on. So in his love for us, God disciplines us. Just says in a in a, the, the love that a parent has for their kid and you know, when when they mess up, when they do things that are not right that they've been told over and over and over again, you know, don't do this, don't do that. You know, you shouldn't touch that hot stove. You shouldn't touch that heater. And of course, I understand. I was the same way. If mama told me not to do it, I was going to do it, right? And there were times that mama just allowed me to do it and face the consequences. And God treats us that way. There are times that God lets us go ahead and do our own thing, do it our own way, and face the consequences. But there are times that God in his love, he says, "Mm -mm, we're going to have a little talk. And that's what he did in verse 10 and 11. He says, you pity the plant for which you didn't labor. You didn't even make it grow. It came up one day and it was gone the next. And yet you pity that more than you do people who are going to hell. Until they turn from their ways. And Jonah got all bent out of shape over a plant that was there for 24 hours that God provided for him that he didn't do a thing for he didn't water it he didn't even plant the seed God just appointed it to grow and he got all bent out of shape when God took it away how many of us are like that? honestly how many of us have been like that? God provides and God cares for for us, and we continue to be unfaithful to him, and God takes that blessing away. God giveth, and the Lord taketh away. That's what the book of Job says. So I got a couple questions to ask us today as we close. Ask yourself, do I have God's heart for others? Do I have God's heart for other people to come to faith in Jesus Christ? To go from spending eternity separated from God in a place that was never created for them so that they could spend eternity in a place that God's created for them? You see, here's, here's something that we learned from Jonah 4. We can't be a recipient of God's grace and not be a dispenser of God's grace to others. Let me read that again. Because this is my good friend Tony Evans says this. We can't be a recipient of God's grace and not be a dispenser of God's grace to other people. How can we be so unloving towards sinners when we know what we've been saved from? That's why God gave us the great commission to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them all I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always. So the last thing I've got for you today is this. Who is God calling you to go tell about God's love to them? Who is that one person in your life that God has placed on your heart to go and share the good news of Jesus Christ with them? The gospel. The fact that in our sin, no, we're separated from God, but because what Jesus did on the cross, in His death, burial, and resurrection, that if we will place our faith and our trust in Him, that we can have eternal life. A grace that we don't deserve, but a grace that he so lovingly gives. So who's that one person? Who's that one person that's close to you but far from God? Our young people have been, been praying for, have been caring for, and they've been inviting leading up to this night, to one night, for one purpose, so that it's not so that they can hang out and eat pizza, which they're going to do. It's not so that they can play some kahoot games and maybe win a gift card, which we're going to do. But the whole point of tonight, the whole point of the service, is that the gospel will be preached. And that people, young people, will recognize their sin. And that they will turn and trust Jesus Christ. With their life. And that they will be just like the people of Nineveh. And my prayer tonight. Our prayer a collection of youth pastors in the upstate is this. Is that when young people come to faith in Jesus Christ. Tonight. That the people around them in their circle. Acts more like God and not like Jonah. So who's that one person in your life? Here's what I want to encourage you to do. If you're not already doing it, why don't you start praying for them today? Yeah, you can pray for their health. You can pray for their family. But the most important thing that you can do is pray for their salvation. Who's that one person in your life? Start praying for them today. Start caring for them this week. Find ways to care for them, to show the love of Jesus with them. And when God opens that, that door of conversation to be had, and oh, why don't you share the gospel with them? Knowing that if someone would not have loved you enough to share the gospel with you, you would be in the same boat. And yeah, I'm telling you, you might be nervous, you might be scared, Scared. you may not know what to do. Won't you trust God? Won't you just share your testimony of how God brought you out of darkness into His marvelous light? And then trust God with the results. Because if they reject Jesus, they're not rejecting you. They're not rejecting your presentation, they're rejecting Him. You don't have the power to save them, but God does. So won't you share God with them today? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for this series in the book of Jonah. Lord, we thank you for the reminder that even in our disobedience, Lord, that you continue to pursue us. Even at times in our unfaithfulness, Lord, you still call us to go. Father, we're also reminded that you can draw a straight line with a crooked stick. So, Father, I pray that today, Lord, if there's someone here in this room that is like, the, they're like the Ninevites, They've, they're far from God, they're not even pursuing God, but God, because you're pursuing them, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit move in their hearts right now and that they would pray this simple prayer, God. I acknowledge my sin and then I'm a sinner and I ask you to forgive me of that sin and I place my trust in Jesus Christ the one who died was buried and rose three days later overcoming death and hell and I commit my life to you today but Father I pray today that we have a bunch of people in this room and I know we do Who have people in their life who are, that they love and they love so much but they're far from God. Father, can we begin to pray for them today? Whether we pray in our seats, pray in the altar. God, we just want you to be glorified in our response to you today. In your name we pray, amen. As we get ready to sing, maybe you've got somebody in your life that you just care a lot about. Maybe you want to pray right there in your seat. The altar's always open. You come and pray for that person. Maybe today, you've been visiting for a while and you, you're like, man, I just want to be a part of a church you know, that loves God so much that, that they'll go to anybody. And share the good news of the gospel with. I want to be a part of a fellowship like that. And we'd love for you to be part of Crossroads family. Maybe today. You've got a heart like Jonah. and You just need to repent. The altar's open. Jack and I are going to be here. If you want us to pray with you. Or maybe there's some other need. Whatever it is that God is doing in your life right now. Whatever the Holy Spirit's telling you to do. Just be obedient to Him and respond in faith. Amen. Would you stand? Let's sing. This is Hannah Matt. Lead us. Maybe you don't need to sing. Maybe you need to be at the altar and be praying. But if you want to sing, you can. As they lead us, would you respond to the message from the Word today? Softly and tender. Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me.
0: We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. In addition, we want to invite you to check out some of the great items on our website that will help you, or you can give as a gift to a friend. Devotionals and other resources are all available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you will tune in again next week.